this episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff. Ma- Why did I do that? Why did I start it that way? Hey, why not? You li- you only live once. It's a very it was a very erotic opening to this very special well, holiday season episode of Jeff Has I, Cool Friends. I, I'm super erotic. You are. That's the number one word that I uh, that I used yeah. to associate with you, uh, uh, folks. Hey, welcome to another episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff May, and you you, you saw the title of the show. I have cool friends. And I have one of my absolute favorite cool friends. Um, she is a uh, true crime producer and host for various podcasts. And as a matter of fact, she's also one of the earliest friends in Los Angeles in comedy that I had. Uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, Caitlin Cut. Hi, Jeff. Hey. Oh, man, this is great. It's been uh, honestly like offensively long since the last time we spoke. I know. I know. Well, and- I- there's so many reasons for that. And the pandemic is only one reason. The <laughs> pandemic isn't even a reason. We've Not we've really, worked yeah. we've we've worked together in a in a teleform of some way or another. I think it's mostly that uh, we've been busy. Yeah, we've both been super busy. You with all your stuff, me all my stuff. I, I got laundry to do, you know? Like there's we're both pretty busy. Listen, I am never gonna pretend that I rank over laundry, you know? It's important. It's my favorite. It's my favorite chore. Like by far, by far, really, because everyone is so impressed when you do when you like clean, dry, and fold laundry. Mm -hmm. But really, you're you're cramming about maybe nine minutes of work into a two hour span. So you're so you're just like ah, I I got I'm doing the laundry. Meanwhile, like everyone's like, wow, he's really going for it. And meanwhile, I'm I'm on my phone. (laughs) My my husband does all of our laundry. He's smart. He is smart, and especially now that you put it that way, I hadn't really considered that. Oh, uh, it's the best scam doing that. I, I used to we, yeah. with my ex wife. We had a whole thing where I was like, "All right, how about this? You do dishes, I'll do laundry. I'll take care of it. I'll learn how to wash all your uh, unmentionables." Great. Her guns. No. I don't like any cleaning. No. Why would you? Just, Why would anybody like that? I don't even have a favorite. Like even, you know, you offered that up so readily. I don't even really have that. I love cooking, which is not a chore for me. I mean, I, I guess for some people, it stresses some people out. I love cooking. I love baking. Hate cleaning up after. Hate it. But I mean, I do it because I don't want my house to smell like a barn. But uh, I'm not a neat freak by any stretch of the imagination. No. My roommate my roommate and I do Sunday dinner. We do this thing where every Sunday, like on Sunday mornings, I go to the famous market. The famous. I go to the famous market. Oh, sure. I get all this fresh produce. I get all, you know, I buy all the stuff, and then she will cook us a dinner, a nice little dinner. And uh, I, uh, I like and tend the fire. We have a nice fireplace. I take care of the wood. I tend the fire, and so she cooks and then cleans up after herself. But I found out that she is like making the bargain that like if I tend the fire that she'll wash the dishes like she invented that bargain in her head and that's oh. the best deal in the world because I was just doing the fire anyway I'm too scared to tend a fire so I probably would have struck the same unspoken deal in my head like let's just let Jeff do the fire see I guess we would have been good roommates yeah we would have been excellent roommates actually we would have been really good roommates now that I think about it but we might not have ended up as good friends don't room with your friends no because I, I did it always worked out for me to be honest with you I never really had a bad roommate situation apart from my actual dad 
I've had like a lot of times like if you're if you're roommates with like a good like a good friend, there's always this level of like anytime you do something, you feel like you have to invite them. And it's oh, just, and, and like I'm just I'm, I can't f with that. Like I like a roommate where I'm friendly with them, but like mm. they don't want to do the same things I want to do. I here's the thing is I I've that never occurred to me. Is that am I a bad person? Like I just yeah. I was, oh, OK, well, that if I had a dollar for every time somebody quickly offered up an agreement to how horrible I am, I'd be a millionaire. Um, That's not true, but I know. Uh, okay. you're, you're universally liked. So I, I want to talk to you a, a little bit like we started, uh, we, we met doing uh, stand up in the basement of a UCLA bar. Yes. Yes. It was. Oh my God. It was one of those situations wow. where. What, okay. So, so for those of you that don't understand the scope of lo the Los Angeles comedy scene, producers are generally like bookers are generally like, there are two ways of doing it. One, they can be the gatekeepers of really important places and shows, or they can be sort of like bottom feeding. They're bottom you know, feeders. essentially. Like that Fox character in Pinocchio. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Now, now it's hard to tell the difference. It, like it's hard to tell the difference when you first move out here or like when you're not used to that kind of like low key scam. But you also just have to start like True. I, you can't you can't really extricate that experience from the overall experience of stand up. You, you're yeah, that has to happen to you. There is a very dues paying vibe to it. And sure. we were both booked, I'm assuming relatively early in our careers by oh, this yeah. by a, a booker. <laughs> And and I I don't want it to be a necessarily insulting thing. I don't think this person is is a, a properly bad person. No, not at all. But a absolutely talented actor, by the way. Uh, wow. Who, he, yeah. He I will add that he's a very talented actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. I think he was in that new Red Notice movie that came yeah. out. Yeah, um, I saw that update. Just Good for him. nailing. Shit. Um, as a comedian, uh, my friend Martin Harris, not good. Um, no. Uh, he his, he also uh, spoke with this accent that was like, hey, like a sexy lady. He would always give you the worst intros. Mine was pretty classic. Do you remember what he used to say about me? I don't. Uh, what would Ladies you... and gentlemen, everyone give a round of applause for American sweetheart, Caitlin Cott. American sweetheart. That's just if you're a brunette. That yep. <laughs> like that was the all. Smiles. And if you were yeah. a blonde, you'd be like, we have very sexy lady coming up here, which is. If you're ever running a comedy show, never, oh never yeah. talk about looks. You know what he used to introduce me as? No. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy, he hates the Lakers because he is from Boston. But don't worry, he can beat you up. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff May. And I was like, this is great. I was like, this is there's no hole deeper that I've ever had to dig myself out of. Than when I was introduced on a Martin Harris showcase. Yeah, it's just like guns drawn for you. Yeah. <laughs> this guy like, is hey. absolute piece of shit and probable sex offender. Jeff May, everybody. <laughs> um, but you don't read that way at all. So I'm sure. I think I do. I, I think no, I do don't. read that way. I would not have liked you immediately if you read that way. Well, to be fair, you probably didn't like me upon first meeting. You probably liked me after we spoke. Because uh, that's a very maybe. important distinction. Because oh, well, it was a weird night. <laughs> upon upon image imagery speaks like if it if my just my general vibe is the impression people get from me, it's not good. 
don't even know what my vibe is anymore. America's I, sweetheart. I, <laughs> the only reason he said that about me was because I didn't do, I never did dating stuff because I, I was already dating my husband at the time. I hadn't, you know, and I liked him. He was someone else's still, husband at the time. Yeah. 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 I still like him. And so I just didn't really have any of that material. So mine was more about like yelling at people in the grocery store. <laughs> stuff like You're very tender Karen vibes. <laughs> the situation. <laughs> Not at the not at the person working the grocery store line. The person in front of me, yeah, did deserve it. Yeah, go on, Jeff. We the the show was empty except for comedians. It was poor. It was yep. to say poorly attended. It would be it would be a not the greatest way to yeah. describe. It was just a. It was basically an open mic. I think I was still just doing my kangaroo story. That is my one of my favorite stories in stand up comedy. One of my favorite stories is Caitlin <laughs> Cut. Yeah. meeting a kangaroo in a bootleg target parking lot petting yep. zoo that's it wow you remember it really well that's very that means a lot to me <laughs> i remember i remember every plot point of that story and it's one of but that's one of the things that made me like when i i used to go to uh i used to go to shows and i would in my joke notebook i would write down the names of the comedians that i liked oh, i would yeah. just write that down and you were in my notebook Oh gosh, this is like the really nice holiday episode. This is making me so happy. <laughs> but it's true. And then so what but what that does is that creates this connection. So we had this connection. Your boyfriend at the time, uh one of the things I really liked about him is that he didn't he wasn't like standoffish to me, which a lot of partners nope. do because no, I he, look sleazy. My husband, he well, he's my husband now. Um is an actual like advocate of women. Like there are a lot of dudes out there that they kind of put that on. And then once it's actually challenged, like for example, your female significant other wants to go out to bars in the middle of the night and tell jokes without you, <laughs> that becomes a thing. He was so supportive and so excited. And he really liked the fact that, you know, it just was another way for us to welcome creative people into our lives. And he is, he understood the value of that. And that's just, huge it was a huge part of 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 really where i am now was him being so supportive it's a big deal to have a supportive partner especially at that time when you're just trying new shit, you know yeah to and to be there to to throw that support we have this thread of us being on these martin harris shows being what i like to refer to as a bringer ringer um and for those of you that are not understand a bringer show is a show in which a lot of comedians are on them. They're not particular. They're not least. good, but they know five people. And if you know five people that are going to buy tickets to a show, you'll get a spot because yeah. these producers only care about getting paid. They don't care yeah, about like, necessarily putting on the good show. It's the closest I've ever come to being in an MLM. That's fair. I'd say comedy is very close to that. I mean, most things are. I mean, real estate itself is basically an MLM. Of course, <laughs> like, yeah. Owning a real estate agency is like, okay, I'm going to get five realtors, and then they're going to get five realtors. <laughs> that's you're <laughs> not like, wrong. That's how it goes. But it's it's just far far lower returns. <laughs> Stand up comedian. <laughs> well, the other thing that's really rough about the Bringer Ringer, I love that name, is it, you're new. It's like the worst time for people to come see you. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. you have no idea what kind of comedian you are, which is on its own a really like boring, complicated question to answer for your for yourself that only oh, yeah. other comics are interested in talking about. 
You ever have somebody young being like, what do you think of my like voice in comedy? And you're like, you don't have a voice in comedy. You're you've been doing this for four months. That's not how. Yeah, I well, here's the thing is like I haven't been doing stand up for like three years now. Yeah, Um, I want to get back eventually, but there's so many reasons why that's complicated for me now. (laughs) And I also just I'm kind of a lead follower. Get the out of the way kind of gal. Mm -hmm. And are you getting the out of the way? Yeah, I am because I. Listen, I I love podcasting. I have found a lane for myself that makes me really happy. And I have a bunch of really, as your podcast states, cool friends that do cool shit. And for now, I'm really happy with that. I've, you know? I've certainly let, let stand-up take a step back for me. But I still, you know, because I still run Mint on Card, which is the second yeah. Friday of every month, Blast from the Past on Magnolia in beautiful Burbank, California. If you're in L.A., go. Please. I would, I would also like to show. add that you, when I booked you, you almost cried. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but I, you weren't doing a ton of comedy, and I, I called you and said, <laughs> I want, I need, I need you to do this show, and you, <laughs> and you were like. You looked at the past shows and you were like, yeah, but look at all these comics that you've had on these shows. Why do you want me? I didn't understand. And I was like, I don't understand what the question is. And I told you that you are, in my opinion, one like an elite storyteller. Thank you. And you cry. And I cried. You yeah, cried. I'm going to cry right now. Um, but you are. And, and, and it was, I think, the kangaroo story that really stuck with me. Um, but you, you really have this very, very likable charm you america sweetheart america sweetheart (laughs) nothing makes me happier nothing makes me happier than telling stories nothing and and that's why i started i think doing stand-up because i have had a lot of weird experiences and honestly i mean i think you could attest to this if you just go somewhere with me something weird's gonna happen (laughs) you are a magnet for weird i am uh and i love it and you leaned into it it's not lost on me. I have so much love for the people that are weird around me. You know, I talking about, you know, what this next chapter for me is, is I eventually would like to do a project that is storytelling based. So it is, but it's so hard because it's like, it gets into that moth thing. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't know if that's what I want to do, but uh, I think, thank you for saying that. I think in entertainment, we have to stop thinking about like, what are we supposed to do or what do we want to do? And just, it's more like, what am I doing right now? And how can I live doing this? And that's, you know what? It's a great point. And I I think I am consciously trying to detox myself from shoulds and all this stuff. Because also, you know, when we started, it really did feel like everybody was trying to do stand-up comedy. It it felt like that to me. A lot of our shows were actors that were like, my agent told me I have to do this. Yeah. And they didn't have a passion for it. They just thought that, you know. I mean, I think there's a line in Swingers where he's like, they made it sound like everyone was giving you um, a sitcom off the bus when you arrived in L.A. Yeah. Now, our friendship, actually, and this is a weird thing. It's a weird claim to make, but it's true. We accidentally created a deep web of content creation because, because I connected you to Adam Todd Brown. Because I had done an episode of White Wine True Crime. I had done like your fifth episode. It was like a brand new show that you were doing. Mm -hmm. You had me come out to the warehouse. Yeah, the warehouse I was working at. I was working at a startup at the time. 
and I, I went to this warehouse and you were like, we're going to watch an episode of Snapped. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this is. And you're like, this yeah. is great. That uh, was even that was the best. I was like, good. You don't even know what you're getting into. I, listen, I, I don't normally like plant a flag, but I do have to say that my podcast, White Wine True Crime, was the first pop culture true crime podcast, I think. that I, I You were very early on it. And yeah. there were a lot of imitators of white wine, true crime. There was, there still I th- are. I think there was one that was just called wine and crime. And you were oh, just yeah. like, well, you just took the adjectives out. Yeah, it was insane. And these two like women from Michigan or something. And they were and fans like, of yours. They were listening yeah, to your show. They thought it was a great compliment. And I'm like, it's not. You're, it's, <laughs> it's general idea theft is what it is. Like, yeah, I know whatever. I can't, you can't protect the idea of, of a podcast, but like you didn't even try to hide that you stole it. It was so weird, but honestly it was all for the better. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we dragged you to the studio and I made you watch this murder show Yes, and then immediately made you share your thoughts. It was a, <laughs> but it was an interesting murder show because it was about a failed actor who, and model who came back to her hometown, lost her mind and just tried to crash her car to death. Yep. And she lived and killed two people. Well, we did pick that for you. I mean, we were, we, Carrie and I were really good at curating content for the, because we just knew, oh, well, Jeff will have very funny stuff to say about this. Like he's going to react to this and it's going to be great. I mostly just tried to talk about the, the super hot reporter that was on the thing. And that's what we wanted for you. That's all like for you. You just <laughs> like, made let's that. Get your, let's get your POV. So you I, know? I did that show and I, I talked about it or, or you guys gave me a kill kit which that was like with all the like things that a murderer would need. Mm -hmm. And then you're welcome. And then former guest of the show guest of, uh, of this show as well as, as well as our good friend, Adam Todd Brown was like, well, I want to do that. And so I just connected you guys. And then from there, you guys uh, worked on creating pretty scary. Yeah. uh, And you built that with, with Carrie Martin and, and, Uh and with, so the white wine, true crime, like you guys seem to get along so well that a new podcast was created in that situation. Yeah. And then in that, we, we see this like cycle of, of things being created. And I'm very happy to be sort of at that nexus yeah. of where these things sort of started to branch out. We have cool timeline, like parallel timelines career-wise, I feel. Because very- there was like a very like just throwing stuff up against a wall to see what sticks kind of thing. And then... <laughs> It worked out for us. I, you know what's funny is I don't think I was trying to see what sticks. I was just I was, I was just f-ing around. Well, I mean, you're much more put together than me. Like you have a okay, much more. So. I know that you're saying that because you know we always self-deprecate, but like, shut the f- up. Like, come on. Well, I mean, you're talking to somebody who between 2017 and 2019 like had a genuine nervous breakdown. So yeah, I mean, it is a weird thing to hear you put together what it was like you know full howard hughes there for a couple months we had a you know we had a fun story where um i wanted to go back to the to the stand-up thing we were we were doing a show at the comedy store which was like a big deal at the time we didn't know we didn't know hey it it was a part of maturing as an artist and it did it mattered because it mattered at the time we got it. it was in like the the or Right, oh, the or the or the the main room. It was in like the big room, yeah. And uh, you and I are sitting there, and the show is going for like three hours. 
Yeah. It was a co-production between uh, Martha Harris and this woman called Crazy Cindy. And that nickname is not wrong. At least she's self-aware. I mean, she, she, she goes with it. This producer did a half hour of bombing. And because of that, she bumped us. And I, do you remember what I said to Martin? I think you, I think you said you're going to punch him. I said, if you ever pull something like this again, I am going to break your jaw. And I was sitting next to you and I was like, I love Jeff. (laughs) I, I, I said, yeah, if you ever do this again, I will break your jaw. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, don't be sorry. It was so good. Never do this it. again. I was like, oh, man, Jeff makes me feel so safe. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was so mad because I had people in the audience, too. Yeah. Like I, I had people that I came. They wanted to see us. And then because apparently we didn't sell 20 tickets or whatever. And I was like, you do not ever do this again. I nope. was like, I will kill. I may. I put I could see the fear of God in his eyes. It felt so powerful. Now, I it get was, why people bully. I totally do. Listen, it feels great. I, I got to tell you, I was bullied a lot as a kid, but like I was a weird kid. I get it. Mm. Uh, even as it was happening, I was like, well, I have a rolly backpack and barrel bangs and I sing Bette Midler songs to myself. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess this is yeah. going to happen. I'm running in circles at the school dance. That That's going to cause some it's going to get some attention. I should. I just need to own it. That's all. Yeah, I was loudmouth as a kid. I love a few. You know, I like to be like I was picked on because I like Star Wars. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I was picked on because I was a uh, obnoxious little turd. I'm with you. Maybe that's why you and I get along so well, because I, I I look back and I'm like, you know, I guess it could have scarred me. But the other thing is, like, I had so much going on at home that was actually scarring me that I was like, this is this is like that episode of the Simpsons where, where Mr. Burns gets sick, but there's too many viruses getting through the door. Yeah, He has everything just get stuck. There yeah, you have everything. Like, those were my issues. Um, it's funny too, because, uh, white wine, true crime ended up being this, uh, sort of like your gateway into yeah. the, the true crime world. You, you started going to these true crime conventions. Uh-huh. I would I need you. We need to comment. We need to do a, a social commentary about yeah. why is it that the past, we'll say eight years of the cultural zeitgeist have been dominated by women talking about crime? Well, my my answer bef- at the beginning of all of this, because I used to get this question when we started doing the show. And the first thing is like, well, we're victims a lot of the time. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's, so there's that, but frankly, you know, as I've, I mean, and one of the reasons why I stopped doing the show was because there's some facts that started to seep in that really changed how I saw that. Uh, like for example, the number one demographic of missing people in America is black, young black men. Nobody ever talks about that and it's never represented on television. Um, and I didn't know that. Right. I mean, I started this and I thought I understood how all this goes. I think the other thing is is it's a much more philosophical answer, which is murder has always been interesting to people. It's literally this the third story in the Bible. Uh, like it it's also something that is connected to and fundamental to the American mythos, I think. You know, the idea I mean, of the outlaw America was founded on murder. You see yeah. that? I'm, it says a social commentary right there. There you go. T- 
technically the first true crime exhibition was in England. A whole family got axe murdered. And instead of cleaning up the bodies, they sold tickets and people used to tour the house and see these dead bodies on the floor. I mean, this is something that really happened, like turn of the century kind of stuff. Like what turn, what century? 1900s. You're like, like, no, was, you're like it was 1999. It was 1999. Will Smith. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, no. So I think that there's also just something fundamentally curious we are curious about it because it's it's an unavoidable part of being a person. Now, as far as why it became this conversation, this, I guess we could call it an elevated conversation in the zeitgeist, frankly, it was just the advent, the advent of podcasting. Yeah, and cable Be- TV being so well re- pre- prevalent in our... Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things happened at once. So first, serials happened. And Serial was a true crime podcast produced by a woman who to this day refuses to admit that she produced a true crime podcast. She is not, she, she sees herself as a journalist, which she is. And actually the conversation between true crime television and journalism is, is its own conversation and, and a fascinating one to have. But I think that podcasting very simply was an easy way for women to create their own space to share their thoughts. We didn't have to ask anybody's permission to do it. The other thing that gets lost a lot of the times is these stories make you think about all sorts of other things. It's not just, oh, you know, murder. It's like, it's about a conversation that you could have with your friend concerning the relationship between your mother-in-law and you. And like, well, yeah, I can see how murder would happen there or uh, that kind of stuff. You know, and and women have these kinds of fear-based imaginations. We do because it's scary to be a woman. I don't really, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily an imagination aspect of it so much as just the 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 imagery of a real thing that could happen. Well, I mean, if you look at what the basic function of imagination is, it's still a survival tool. You know, we sit around and watch TV, but at the you know the very beginning, imagination was like, how can I project forward in time so this thing doesn't kill me? This animal doesn't kill me. These people don't kill me. It's always Damn, about that's, that's not dying. That's crazy insightful. I hate how insightful that was on this show. Oh, I feel well, like it's sorry. not worth it. I ruined your show. Well, I mean, to be fair, I've had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah, uh, to imagine it, really. <laughs> and I get, I get asked that a lot. Uh, and then I think the final part of it is we women only recently have been allowed to be problematic on our own terms. About and time. rude on our, on our own terms. So instead of just like the Madonna whore problem that we've had to deal with for a really long time, and even before that, there's just <laughs> the small matter of people burning us at the stake for just asking questions. And yet you didn't learn. Lord knows I didn't. I, I just kept reincarnating and reincarnating, and now here I am on a podcast. Uh, no, I, I think that we these are taboo topics that we're finally able to talk about on our own. It's always been through the male gaze. I mean, even now, if you look at like the more complicated decompression conversations that people are having about religion, it's all men. <laughs> it's still yeah, all men. It is funny that um, that we get such a like we go through such trouble of making sure our voices are heard. And yet we're so f- stupid, like biologically. Like whenever, because like, you know, when you think about it, I always think about the biology of of the sexes in a very specific way, not Mm -hmm. 
because trans women are no uh imagine if that was the the direction i was going in but where it's like when you think about like young boys and injuries Mm -hmm. and you think about how like risky behavior is um sort of a way to procreate it's a way Mm -hmm. to prove like one's strength and and daringness in order to acquire a mate so it would make sense that like we are just historically prone to just getting up all the time like get to like breaking limbs and stuff because we're always trying to show off for this biological imperative and that is wild to me it's so it's so fun to me to think about that i think the other thing that's important is that i personally personally believe that the the rise of this female driven conversation about true crime is is pretty simple which is men get to take risks women if we walk home from a bar at night and we get abducted the first thing that people think is well you probably shouldn't have done that (laughs) because you know there are serial killers i mean our consequences for risk taking are so much scarier oh yeah Uh, and and i think that and 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 what's really interesting about these shows is we're not just talking about risk taking and like becoming an explorer. We're talking about, well, maybe I can start a relationship with this man. <laughs> maybe he won't kill <laughs> like, me in three years. Maybe, maybe we'll like have kids. And that's the risk that we're being considered that we're considering yeah. in the moment when really we're just being thrown in the back of a van. You know? Yeah. Like it's it's the unconscious, the the subversive message in women talking about this over and over again is hey, maybe think about uh how our stakes are a little different literally like life or death for for men on a general yeah that's an excellent point like the the whole risk taking and what it means to risk take as a as a young man versus a young woman yeah what's rewarded what's punished um and then now we're having i think it's very exciting much more elevated conversations about well then why are we only talking about white women going missing great question why are we only talking about white women going missing we should answer that. We should talk about that. I mean, I think it, it's so easy. I always think about that South Park episode that came out like 10 years ago about like murder porn mm-hmm. and like, oh, these women that watch these shows. And, you know, we kind of took it on the nose for a long time and were made fun of really for being fascinated by these. And listen, of course, there's a line that people cross and it's inappropriate. Like there's absolutely no question about that. But we are now at a point where a more complicated conversation is emerging about how we, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, cover what we call crime in this country versus just the way it is. That's yeah. just the way it is. And I think that tension is really the root of all of these shows and podcasts and everything. I, I think that's a, a pretty fair point. And it, it certainly is where you have found yourself. I would consider <laughs> you in that level of expertise because, you know, white wine, true crime, and then pretty scary, which is true crime, but it's also the paranormal. Mm-hmm. You guys cover a lot of the paranormal. And then, so that as a host, and, you know, obviously if you're, if it's your own show, you are a host and producer of that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to then have those two shows springboard you to becoming a producer in the unsolved mysteries podcast, which is like, when I saw that that happened, I was like, of course, of course. And I want to talk about that for a second, but uh, about unsolved mysteries. I'm very excited about that. But 
Uh, before we do that, I do want to talk about uh, the fact that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Jeff May. Uh, and uh, some of you uh, are listening to it on there right now. And thank I thank you for your money. Uh, that Great means work. your ears you. and your money, the two most important things you can give me. Um, and for those of you that are not listening, uh, on the, I do have a, a Patreon. And on there, uh, at the producer level, which is a, a very affordable $10 a month, uh, probably too affordable. Uh, you can sign up for that, and then I will say your name on this show or a reasonable facsimile of whatever the hell you want me to say. And so, Caitlin, <laughs> I'm going to read you off roughly a few dozen names, and we I'm can. I'm so excited. We can. Uh, we can definitely. We can definitely uh, comment and talk about those. I chose this first one specifically for you. Okay. Um, I didn't kill my wife. Great. I figured like that would that would hit That's there. That's a great. That's a that's a solid person to have on your production team, right? Harrison yeah. Ford from The Fugitive. Love that's that. who you want. Huge. Uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Adrienne, uh, Kelly Stanaway, Silius Ruby, Stephen. I love that. I love that it's just Stephen. I love Steve. also Kelly has been a stan for a long time. It's, yeah. it's important to bring up. She has been supportive of all, yeah. all of us. Yeah. The the unpops web uh, has been yeah. very generously uh, supported by Kelly Stanaway. Uh, and a ton of other, by the way, you're going to see a lot of names that you recognize. I know. I just, I, I, anyway, go ahead. It's going to happen. <laughs> Dr. DNA, Burrito Mouth, twitch.tv slash firechild460, Lisa Harden. That's my co-producer on Mint on Card and one of my best friends. Huey Good job, Lisa. F- yeah, she's the best. Taurus Bulba, Huey mm-hmm. Freeman, Mind sure. Freak 555, Shebrew nice. Sleeps, Norm from Cheers. Oh, Vor- awesome. He's the best. The Norm's best. The best. <laughs> He's the one that does my the. He finds all the swears from the Patreon episode, and when we uh, edit them out for the free for the oh, freeloaders, like, swear bouquet that you do. Yeah, he. Uh, well, he, they, we bleep them out, uh, and and they got that. Uh, Vorta spin. Normal man. Andrew McGuire. This one's great. Jolly Jolly Buckaroo's mom kicked cancer square in the dick. F- you cancer. Yeah, f- cancer. Seriously. Let me tell you, if y'all want a great cancer story which they all are <laughs> stick by because we have some excellent uh patreon exclusive content that's going to be after the show for patrons only oh that story that is going to be talking about the greatest bomb of my life uh at, my f- show. at your show and we are going to talk about it and it's going to be so fun so uh stick around all of you <laughs> on the patreon because you're going to like that one uh dill havarti that's my favorite cheese What's your favorite mm. cheese? Uh, ooh, brie. You like a brie? Do you eat the rind? I like a brie. Yeah, I'm not afraid of a rind. I like it the rind. It depends on the kind of brie, though. Because if it's like like cheap brie, then no. I, 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 eat, I prefer a rinded piece of brie than to a non. Like I like okay. like you know the end of a piece of brie, uh, the yeah. crust of it, like how the, it's, it's like, like a, the heel. I, I love that. That is extremely my sh- I'm like, okay. I don't know what this is doing in my stomach, but I absolutely love what's happening in my tongue. Nobody knows. Go ahead. Um, exploding runes. JK, Yay. JK, Jeff May's biggest fan. Fashizless Jones. David, Knife Boot, Hinson. Funky J, Saint Gut Free. Instagrams at Bob underscore of underscore skull. That's such a good use of this money. I always, I'm always like, that's smart. Mm-hmm. That's a smart way to do it. An action figure of Clippy. At C Doctor Video, S E E D R V I D E O, C two E two A M Adventures, an NFT of He Man Skull f-ing Skeletor, mm. 
an wow, NFT. That's an image. You have a lot of NFTs, I'm guessing. You seem like Lots. somebody to be really like a crypto bro. Yeah. I do have some crypto. Do you? What do you have? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have ETH and I have uh, Chainlink. I have some too. Bitcoin. Good. I have some Bitcoin. Good. I bought it to sell it and then I forgot to sell it. Wave of the future. Is it? I don't know. Probably not. I, I think so. But uh, we could get into that later. I, I, I'm going to strictly go by buried gold in the backyard. That's what I'm going to. Okay. Uh, where's Bane? <laughs> Shout out to Ben Mendelsohn from The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Jeff loves the meat Millie. Flesh, mm. your friend. Poinsettia jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Every job. time. Every time. Uh, Mike Gouts. <laughs> Funny story about that, though. Somebody <laughs> on my Twitter, somebody was like um, replying to one of my tweets and then another person, and it was uh, Poinsett over there. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, I hear your name on the podcast all the time, and it makes me laugh. So he now this you're just encouraging Mr. Jingle here. Such a neat surprise. It's a real fun. So they really go I've for it here. I've read that handle before, but <laughs> hearing you say it out loud. Really brought it to life. For Real me. surprise. Uh, shout out to Grumblebee, Cronenberger, Jeff Hordes, the Christmas frittatas. Uh, they sometimes they like to play with the JHCF acronym. Got it. Uh, they make a little acrostics. Oh. Okay. Um, so the J Jeff has cool friends. It's the Christmas short. frittatas. I like mm. eggs. You do like eggs. I sure do. I make really great quiche. I need to make you a quiche. If you sure do. I'm going to do that. Uh, these seven bees, Lemming Malloy, Manischewitz Molotov says, eat the rich. Hell yeah, dude. Sure. Unless I become it someday. And isn't that the problem? It sure is. Always. Yeah, that's uh, Steinbeck right there. Nobody yeah. wants to Nobody wants to get mad at the rich because everyone thinks they're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. That's my, one of my favorite quotes of all time. Oh, God, I love Steinbeck. That just goes to show yeah. where my mentality is all the time. That I'm like, you know who I like is the most depressing American writer. Cormac McCarthy, I think, is the most depressing American. Yeah, he's author. still alive. Doesn't count. Okay. You got to be is dead. He alive? Oh God, you're right. Okay. I, I think he. I think he's I, Cormac McCarthy still alive. Probably. Now I gotta, yeah. uh, Superman Family issue one eighty four. The scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. <laughs> oh, it's just a veritable ping pong of nightmares there. Uh <laughs> I love how tickled you are by these producer names, to be honest. That, I, that scene is insane. It's so it's so wild. It's one of the few, like, it's one of those movie theater going experiences that you just, if you saw that movie in the theater. I would say uh, one of my favorite deaths in any scene, in any movie, is in Red Dragon. Oh. And do you know the one I'm thinking of? I mean, there's several in that. So which one are you talking about? When he's the face or the... He's just oh, rolling yeah. down the hill. Yeah. Stable yeah. to a wheelchair on fire. Yeah. I love that. I mean, oh. I, oh my God. It's just oh. so, it's so funny to me. That's like such my, a funny thing. My brother and I have an inside joke about that movie uh, where one of us always says, grandmother, no. <laughs> it's just like very specific. I love that movie. I love it so much. It's, yep. It's, uh, yeah. I like all those movies. Even Hannibal. I love Hannibal. Oh. Well, there you go. I do. I can uh, talk about it. I don't know why I would, though. Jeff's happy Christmas face. I'm such a happy Christmas idiot. I f- love Christmas. I, f- I, f- I eat it up, man. I feel like maybe we were like siblings in a past life. That something. doesn't seem wrong. Right? <laughs> I'm the law. Martial law. And I hate superheroes. <laughs> Mr. Billy Beck. 
these so much. Jeff watches Batman and likes sports. Finally, someone oh. gets it. Facts. Kimball. Get vaccinated, you chuckleheads. The 5G lets you see sound, and then you can see your friends again. Let's go. Uh, you 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 boosted yet? Uh, getting boosted on Wednesday. Ooh, clear off Thursday, buddy. Oh yeah. Clear I mean, clear your sketch for Thursday. I, I'm really in for it. I'm gonna get the flu shot and the booster. Don't do that. Don't yeah, do it at the that. same time. I'm doing it. You dumb. Uh, I'm just tougher than most people. That's what people say. People like to think that. I feel like I have. Why? Because you've had track because you've had many heart surgeries. Sure. Couple couple near death experiences. Uh, shout out to Blackagar Boltagon. Shout out to Big Booty Boy four twenty sixty nine. That is great. Russell from Jersey. Pizza, bagels, Taylor ham, bold and brash. More like belongs in the trash. Meth J. Okay. That's like me, sure. but not. Hi, I'm Super Fudge, and welcome to Fudgemania. Uh, craft beers make my alcoholism look like a neat little hobby. Ouch. Jez Butt's fiance is going to be a mom. Ouch. Congratulations. <laughs> Boy, did that uh, those two ouches are in a row are it's really oh, Yeah, that's The bar dark... is interesting. That's very much like when the guy said fascinating about the baby and then the ugly baby on Seinfeld. Yeah, it's or, like or, a or whatever. Rough draft of a yeah. Bruce Springsteen song. The Ian McClendon. L, follow me at L Seldo, unless you're from Buffalo. Seldo. Uh, you like people from Buffalo? My gra- yeah, Actually, yes. My grandma's from Buffalo. Shout out to Caitlin's Buffalo. grandma. Wash. I'm going to wash your jeans. Oh, I'm going to wash your jeans, and then we're going to have some Loganberry. She sounds like this. Hi, hubby. How's it going? That's exactly how she sounds. <laughs> what a b- Is that what we... <laughs> Positive. It looks. It looks like magic when she's walking now because she's ninety six, and it looks. It honestly, you know those far away shots of Kermit the Frog walking. Yeah, it doesn't. That's what she looks like. She's got like wires in her legs that where somebody's moving her. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, is it God? I'll (laughs) tell you what. It's amazing. The most unnatural thing in my entire experiences of life has been um, seeing Muppets legs. Oh, that would be weird. It's unnatural. Like when you see, when you saw Kermit riding the bicycle. Yeah. Nope. It's just. Nope. No, no thank you. It's not good. I don't like that. That's nightmare there's fuel no, for me. There's no life in those legs. It's I, just the the shoulders and the head. I've met the, I've met the Muppets. I know. I am. I'm, and I'm jealous of that. I met Kermit and Piggy and <sighs> I got to interview Constantine, the world's most dangerous frog. I love that. I'm so jealous. Back of when I was a mommy I'm, blogger. Oh, God. I can't believe you've been a mommy blogger and I haven't. I love that about us. I, It's one of my favorite side hustles that I've ever had was mommy blogger. Because people are like, what? Yeah. Let me tell you. A lot of attention when I'd go to those events with the mommy oh. bloggers. When I went to like DreamWorks, we all met Jeff Katzenberger. And he's like, you're a mommy blogger? And I'm like, yeah. We all yeah. have weird things, man. You're a billionaire. I'm a mommy blogger. It's all the same thing. Um, <laughs> shout out to Caitlin Binney, The Bollock, The Digital Phil, Patrick Dore, Jeff Hates Competitive Fun. That's a lie. Evan Hall, Human Bonsai, Tyler Wheelgosh. I sure. hope I said that right. I'm, I'm sure Tyler. I'm sorry, dude. Jeff May is never going to have a history podcast. Believe me, I asked very nicely. Wow. It's true. I don't want to do a history podcast. 
Why would you do a history podcast? Because I, I, that was my, it's my degree. Oh, right. Cause you're a history teacher. But, and they want me, they're like, I think you could do a good job of like a hardcore history thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. That's an assignment. But, but also like there is a hardcore history thing and it's great. Sure. I mean, there's other, and, and if, there's, if it, listen, if it brought you joy, I'd be supportive of it, but I feel like there's other stuff you could do that would make you happy. It's just not, it's just like an assignment. Somebody got me a book for my birthday. <laughs> Okay. That's just like this, like really detailed, like historical whatever, and I'm like, this sucks, because now it's you. You just gave me an assignment for my birthday. I love homework. Because every time somebody sees me now, they're gonna be like, or whoever that person oh, that got it for me was. The book? They're gonna be like, did you read it? Did you read the book? And I'm like, no. That's why I never buy people books, or like when you used to buy people movies. I don't. I never bought people movies because it felt like a weird thing, like a weird expectation. It's like buying somebody a betta fish. Like, here's the thing you got to take yeah, care of. Yeah, now. Here's, gotta, it's an assignment is really what it is. Yeah. It's a got to do homework to be my friend. If you're going to get me a book, I want it to be under 200 pages. Or like, like a coffee table, cool, artsy book. Yeah. That makes you look cool if it's like out. Yes. What I don't like want. Like it's a decoration. What I, what I don't want is a 400 page book about history. I had no. to pay no. like $35,000 to learn about history. I don't want right. to revisit that. Now you're yeah, making me think I, of my student loans. That's why I think that uh, I got a degree in comparative world literature. And it was actually very helpful because <laughs> it was basically a degree in critical thinking. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. No, you're great. not right. I actually, it's funny because I took, um, do you know what a CLEP exam is? No. Uh, the college learning experience program. Basically, there are a lo- not a lot of people know this. If you're young, listen to this. If you, this is <laughs> important. This is important and can save you literally thousands of dollars. Uh, at many um, school institutions, they will grant you the opportunity to test out of a class, meaning they will give you credits for a class if you take a test that shows that you already possess the adequate knowledge that you would have learned in that class. So uh, I was trying to catch up because I transferred three times and changed my major in college. Classic. So I was like, well, like I want to hurry up and graduate. And they were like, well, you can take a CLEP exam, go through these. As long as it's not your major, um, you can do it. So I found one called Analyzing and Interpreting Literature. And I was like, well, this just seems like common sense at this point in time. And so I signed up for that. I paid $150 for a six-credit test. Kicked the shit out of it. Yeah. And got six college credits for $150. And yeah. and a Saturday afternoon. God, Amazing. CLEP, C-L-E-P exams. Definitely look into them. Shout out to, is it rude to use this bit to ask for comedian Keith Carey? It is. Uh, you stop doing that. If you want to re- send a request, just rudely tag us on on Twitter and make it awkward for me to say no. Don't pay me to say this out loud. Wait, I'm confused. Does this person want Keith on the show? Yes. Oh, okay. For a second, I was like, "Is this doesn't seem like something Keith would do?" No, 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 no. Keith would. I love Keith. Keith wouldn't be proactive enough to do this. Nope. No, um, or passive aggressive enough. It's not really his vibe. Yeah. Shout out to Cody Beck Jr. At Gavin underscore not, not with two T's. Shout out to Jessica Robertson, Captain Fat Strong, Gregarious Gregorio, the AV Foundry. You know him. Uh-huh. You, uh huh. That's shout out to my man, Mike Stanton. I like um, 
He's a good egg. Well, when the pandemic hit, he uh, was going to these dry goods stores and mailing me like fruit and nuts and shit, like dried fruit and Aww, nuts. He was the best. That's nice. Irradiated mutant man Andrew Howe. Gray man of the Fireside Chronicles. I love that. Uh, Ricky Cilantro. That's a name oh, you might recognize. That sounds. Yes, I do recognize the name. This is weird to hear these names out loud that I've only read. It is because there there are a lot of interactive on social media or comments on Yeah, I've talked to a lot of these people on Twitter and I've just never verbalized their handles before. Yeah, and they've given they give me money, which is so great. And sometimes they're very specific. Like this one's at nerd numbers. That's just the that's the the Twitter handle. So follow Um, Mackenzie Chill. Uh, love that dude. You know you he's a he's come to some of the live events too. Oh yeah. Best shoes in the game. He's got these big glossy pink sneakers that I just Amazing. absolutely am in love with. Willem Dafoe's baffling big bonanza. Ouch. Uh, Dan Hackroyd, Murph the Murph. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Russell Richardson, the sass Stan. Do you remember sass? You never probably listened to the Monday Show, huh? I don't think I know who sass is. That was a character I created on the Monday Show, and she was a. Uh, Teen influencer Sasquatch. We created some very different kinds of characters. Uh, I also pretty scary characters are weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys had some really, really weird ones. Mine were just like really. It was just like, what can I do with my voice, and then how can I use it? So I would do like like an action figure of Clippy. Every time we'd be having a conversation, I would just show up as Clippy and be like, "Hey, everybody, it's me, <laughs> Clippy. I heard you're talking about murder." All my little things will be tiny, tiny, tiny dance, a tiny stalker in your ear. You had tiny stalker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You had weird. I would listen to pretty scary sometimes. Not a lot. Uh, and it's too many. When everybody, you know, has a f- podcast. Oh, I love when people are like, hey, did you did you listen to my show? Never. I sure didn't. That's, you should never ask someone that. That's not good performer yeah. etiquette. It's I weird. am. I am making four of them. I'm researching. It's like I have a life. Like God. I'm still trying to. Well, we'll talk about that after I get through these last ones. But um, Sophia Hapgood's Psychic Services, The Ghost Ooh. of Dave Thomas, pretty scary. Koi Fam Art and Mentoring. Uh, it's my friend Koi Fam. He's been on the show. He's a super talented artist. Frankly Amish Bart Fartigan Jennifer Fendelander. That's a name you know. Yeah, I know that name. And the most well prepared dead guy. So uh, normally this goes by faster, but. Damn it, we had so much fun talking about this. So yeah, um, so we got that going for us. What uh, is time? If you want to be a producer, check out patreon.com slash Jeff May, and you could have us um, riff on your name sometime. That's fun. Uh, fun. I'm in the process of, speaking of like not having time, I've been researching this show, Radvertising, that I'm supposed to, trying to be getting up on cool. the Patreon as soon as possible. And it's like this like sociological study of... Uh, basically youth-oriented advertising in the 90s. Awesome. Uh, it is by far the most ambitious project I have ever embarked on. That's awesome, though. Um, it, See, there's you using your history degree. It, I, I guess it's technically yes. a history podcast. But absolutely. Th- the thing is, is my original plan was like, oh, I should get this out by the fall. Or no, 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 no. I oh, am no, writing no, no. like a Bible about this stuff. And like, I'm, you know, the Always Sunny gif of Charlie in the wall and he's got yeah. like all the like yarn everywhere. That's yeah. what I'm doing. I can relate. Although I have I, a similar ongoing passion project that's like turning into it's bad. 
Last night, I fell into a, an interesting research hole where I found a payday commercial where a guy is just thinking about f***ing a payday by talking about wow. it on a phone sex call. Okay. It's a payday commercial. You know, the worst candy bar? Weird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know how they, you know, candy, uh, payday, they were like, what? What's what's the most popular candy bar? People are like Snickers. And they're like, what are the two best parts? And you're like, undoubtedly, it's the nougat and the chocolate. And they're like, great. Take Pull them away. out. We're just going to make it. <laughs> we're going to roll a log yeah. of caramel around some low-level peanuts and then put it in a package. First and it, thing we need to do is turn Nebraska into candy. How do we do that? <laughs> Here we go. It's we No, I, it. I think Payday might have nougat in there, too. I think I might have that up but either way it's it's the I don't worst think that matters jeff i feel like it's you're right in spirit i would say that payday is probably the worst candy bar absolutely like i can't picture like one that candy that's, bar yes like you 100%. go you go and you look at the candy bar rack like Who's every buying them you buy a payday i guarantee you there's going to be dust on it well that being said i guess i love mounds oh i love mounds see i do i like people hate it like there is like people just hate coconut okay, well first of all coconut's a choice okay it is so like but if you're just like i really need the the experience of dry peanuts like an ex, an excuse to consume like a weird soggy peanut situation i guess you have an option with payday but, but no chocolate why? like why would you do that i don't know why not just go buy peanut butter and just eat it by the spoonful which is more enjoyable than a payday. There was a, a there was about a probably year and a half span where my dinner or it's or it's generally my breakfast I think uh, every morning was a spoonful of peanut butter with a vitamin. And sounds awesome. Everyone's like, "Wow, that's so streamlined." I'm like, "No, I was broke." <laughs> no, no, I was poor. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> 2014 was hard. Like. I love that you're doing this marketing podcast because I watch so much TV in the 80s and 90s that I have a catalog of full commercial scripts that I have completely memorized that will pop into my head on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. It was it was just I was just thinking about that Geico commercial where the guy calls his dad and he's like, it's like a collect call. And he's like, Dave, we add a book. I had a baby. baby eats a boy. boy. Yeah. Eight pounds, seven ounces. Mother's doing fine. <laughs> I remember the whole. Oh, hey, he had a Bob, baby. It's a boy. It's a boy. Oh yeah. The no. Sears air conditioning commercial. You know that uh, one by heart. Let me tell you, there's. Uh, I find uh, one of the things. I'll do a little preview uh, of the show. Yeah. I, one of the things I've been researching was the Mountain Dew shift, because I can I, I consider Mountain Dew to be sort of like the major emblematic um, example of what extreme advertising was. Uh, yeah, and okay, so, I, can get, I can get behind that. And so I didn't realize, but they actually got in on it earlier than I expected. They were around from 1990, they were like the hillbilly country soda. 1991 is where they started implementing uh, extreme sports and where they shifted their goal because Mountain Dew started as a, it was a whiskey mixer. Mountain Dew is literally a nickname for uh, moonshine. This is so dark. That, no, it's not. No, I mean, I, I, it's, well, I mean, for me, so in true crime land, I, all I'm hearing is like do mouse in my head. Like that's yeah. a real thing. 
So, well, so. yeah, because uh, in the especially in the Appalachian region, um, Mountain Dew is uh, one of the highest sugar concentrations of a um, drink you can get um, next to uh, Minute Maid juices. Yep. And um, mug root beer. Oh, which. Yeah, right. Didn't see that one coming. No. Well, you know why? Because mug root beer root beers in general like to tell you how they're um, how they don't have caffeine. Oh, so you're I like, see. well, I'm basically drinking a salad, and then you don't realize that there's like 60 grams of sugar in a can or something like that. Soda is such a weird trick. I mean, my husband always says he's like, it's candy. Yeah. And he ruined soda for me, which is good. Let's be honest. Soda should be ruined for you. Yeah. And he's like, you're drinking candy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's upsetting and accurate. Yeah. Candy. Like, I actually have rules for soda. I only drink soda at the movies. It's the only that's time I'm allowed to have soda. But that's good. I mean, I, yeah. I don't really drink soda either. I I drink Diet Coke occasionally. And what? then, yes, if I'm at the movies, I drink I drink soda. And actually, there's only one other time. And that's for whatever reason. If I go to a Mexican restaurant, I really want soda. I really want like Coke or something. I think it's like the salt to sugar. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I guess there's you need to just be like, well, I'm doing extra savory. So let's go. Yeah, with. let's let's go. Let's go the other direction. Is Coca-Cola is that your go to? Yeah, that's yeah. my I'm I'm not really. A, Boy, you're boring. Yeah, I am. It's true. I'm a Dr. Pepper guy. Oh, sure. It's uh, I, I just I can't get over how tasty Dr. Pepper is. It is tasty. It's like it's like upsettingly tasty. Yeah, oh. it's a good soda. Yeah, no, no, no. They they knock it out of the park. And even the copycats, like Pib, Mr. Pib, that's the same thing. I don't mind it. It's not like I don't see the difference in it the way I see like a Coke and Pepsi. Right. When I was a kid, for me, I loved Cactus Cooler. Oof. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Because that's that that's that's a yeah, very I mean, high sugar content, right? Like, well, like that's. Know, I had to be amped to be sitting alone watching TV in my room. <laughs> fair. Uh, that is very fair. The, the, it was funny cause I was, uh, you, you know, when you look at sort of like the history of all these sodas and stuff and like the new Coke, when they, when they created, oh, when yeah. they changed the, the thing of new Coke and I didn't realize how long that product actually lasted new did Coke. Did you tweet about this recently? I did. Um, and it like blew my mind. How I long thought, was it around? I thought new Coke was around for like eight months to a year. At most. Um, how about 17 years? I just, I don't, like around, like was in someone's garage. It was I mean, it's discon- crazy to it, me. It was called Coke 2 in 1992. I, rem- I remember. And like now that starts to kind of like, I start to remember that. But then it was discontinued after 10 years. I remember clear Pepsi. Well, everybody Very. remembers Crystal Pepsi, of course. That's yeah. the ecto cooler of of sodas, <laughs> where it's this thing where everyone's like, "Remember Crystal Pepsi," and like we all remember but that's Crystal the, Pepsi. That's the that's the real marketing stunt that stuck out to me as a kid. Of course, that and Chris Gaines. And fair, not, fair, not food related. What's funny <laughs> is that Crystal Pepsi they Tab did it first. Uh, if you remember Tab, I remember Tab. I didn't know that though. And they that, and Crystal didn't... Pepsi came out, and I remember when they introduced Crystal Pepsi, they it was um tied to Van Halen's "Right Now" song. What the hell? Uh, that that's the thing, and the reason I'm doing the the advertising show is because I am obsessed with commercials. Like I have a a 
I have an anthropological and sociological interest in them. I can't wait for this to come out. I will listen to this one because commercials were a big part of my childhood for a number of reasons. I would like there'll be times where I'll just be like sitting there and then all of a sudden be like, get your hips tied up, grab a stick of juicy fruit. The taste <laughs> is gonna move you. And I'll start like singing it. And I'm like, remember that? And everybody around me is like, what the f is your problem? <laughs> And I'm like, you know how that big red freshness lasts right through it? Your fresh breath goes on and on while you chew it. Goes it goes on and on while you chew it. Yes, uh, I know. Oh, yeah. No, that's uh, the taste, the taste, the taste is going to move. Yeah. I love this. this yeah, like that's it. I, I just want to do commercial podcasts forever. I want to do a half an hour on a 30-second commercial for the rest of my life. You should. I, I, you could do a whole mini series on the K-Jeweler jewelers commercials that was those were oh my god those were so dramatic i i tell you what yeah like silhouettes dancing with diamonds whoever created that um genius. is that's, an absolute genius yeah that's a that's a don draper move right there i mean that's like somebody mm. better like not have to work anymore after yeah. that one I'll, that I'll, smart one of my favorites and, and I've, I've brought this up on another podcast but like as i'm going through this like series of different commercials and stuff and seeing like how these products have changed their scope my favorite one is um perfection the game where you would press down the thing and place the pieces in you had like a minute yep. or something like that because you know they they used to have the songs like put the pieces in the slot make the right connection, connection. but yep. be quick they're ready to are you racing the clock Ooh, yeah. pop goes they do that it's the same commercial visually they just did an alt rock version of the song awesome. <laughs> but it's the same commercial oh man but they that's just great. did a shredding oh version of that please. like the sound garden version yeah exactly um real quick i want to i want to shift away from that i don't want to keep talking about my stuff i want to talk about your stuff I, um okay unsolved mysteries the podcast yes. how did that happen wow um okay so i had i'm gonna make this story interesting for people <laughs> uh so i had been doing white wine true crime and pretty scary for a while and we had somebody reach out that was working on a digital show uh, a really small digital show that needed some true crime podcasting talking heads to come on because it was the concept was like a talk show about true crime, which mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation. And I got picked and I came on and uh, they really liked my knowledge base. And so they hired me when that series got picked up because I was helping to film the pilot when that series got picked up, they hired me to, to produce. So that was my first. Uh, what was that show called? Crime Obsession oh. with Tracy Stump. And so I got to, you know, basically do what I have been doing for White Wine True Crime and Pretty Scary for years, but I got, I was getting paid like, oh, yeah. real money, which was weird. Isn't that a weird transition, by the way? Getting paid after working for free. For some, people ask me all the time, they're like, how do I get, how do I do a podcast professionally? I'm like, work for free for six years. At least. Yep. <laughs> It's just it's it's such a yeah you have to real... see, you have to be have this weird form of stupid mental toughness. It's a form of stupidity. Yeah, and you have to just it's really interesting. It's funny that we're talking about this because I, I had a conversation with a friend recently and I realized from her perspective it kind of looked like it all happened out of nowhere. And to me what that said was, you know, so she's she's not in the industry, so she's she loves me. I'm a good friend, but she basically rightfully so was like, Oh, she did these, she does these podcasts in her free time and she works a normal job 
during the day, which is exactly, you know, how you met me, yep. right? That was me when, when we met mm-hmm. and it was a fair thought, but what people don't realize is what that meant was I would work my office job and then come home and work on my podcasting. So mm-hmm. it was like, and I was doing stand up. So I had two podcasts, a full-time job and stand up going all at once. <laughs> For like six years. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Guys, uh, I think you guys need to understand it. If if you're doing a podcast and it's not a job, you're probably not putting enough into the to the podcast. Right. Like you're probably not just work. You're probably not working hard enough, which is no, why nobody's listening to your podcast. And here's the other thing: Patreon wasn't even a thing when I started White Wine True Crime. Nope. Not really. Like it was not what people know it to be now. I at didn't. All. I didn't know about it. Until Adam no. really brought it up. No, it, so there was no money being made. I was literally making a show with my friend and throwing it into the void in the beginning. And when people started listening to it, it was shocking to me. I had no idea how it was happening. So anyway, back to my story. So I got that first job and then um, made some connections doing that and got asked to help make some TV over um, for another production company in Burbank, Burbank, California. Shout out to Burbank. Burbank. And working on one of those shows, I was working with a showrunner and he and I really got along. I had no idea what his history was. And he said, hey, my friend is working on a podcast. Would you talk to her? I said, sure. Did not tell me that his friend was one of the creators of Unsolved Mysteries and that the podcast that I'd be giving tips for (laughs) was going to be this huge IP. And uh, that's when I first spoke with my boss, Terry, who is like truly one of the coolest human beings I've ever met in my whole life. And I've been I've been with them since the rollout. Did you watch Unsolved Mysteries as a as a child? Oh my God. I can't even, that doesn't even really explain what my relationship with that show. Right. Was. It was like the whole, like we'd watch it with the family. Yeah. It's, I cannot, I mean, actually you're probably one of the few people on the planet can understand how uncanny it is to be working on something connected to an IP that means something to you like deeply. Um, because even in our industry, everybody's working on something but I feel like I'm in a really cool, unique situation where I'm working on a property that helped form you. Inf- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's wild. There, There's one of those things where like I used to watch, I watched Unsolved Mysteries when it was on Amazon Prime. And now on Pluto, yeah. they have an Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack channel. And it's just yeah. over and over and over again. And I was, I was like, I keep watching it. One of my favorite things about Unsolved Mysteries, the the original series, is that they still did updates, like deep into like the 2010s. I want to say they still do updates, which makes me they realize will still for that streaming service. I can tell you, if there is an update with any of those, they will go back, yeah. and update the story. So I was like, wait, they canceled the show, but there's just one dude still getting Unsolved Mystery paychecks. Uh, that's just like the one guy editing like, oh, they solved this one. Yeah. The basically. guy that got the, the radio DJ that got killed because he wouldn't do pay to play in Tennessee. And mm-hmm. they figured out his murder in like 2015. And I was watching yeah. that and I was just like, the f-? Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I what's been really crazy is just watching things get solved. 
that has happened to me on several of my cases so far. And I That's cannot tell cool. you how weird it is to, to, to be at the crossroads of something like that. God, that's cool. Um, so now you've worked on this show and, and, you know, obviously I got to let you go soon, but, um, no, well, I mean, I, I want to go, I mean, do a six hour fair. podcast totally, with you. That's not fair. Plus totally we got, we got, fair. we got bonus content for the patrons afterwards. Um, but I want to say, so like, what's, what's it been like, you kind of started on this and then, you know, we went on tangents cause that's what happens. What is it like for you personally to work on this project? I think the word actually is healing as crazy as that sounds, because I've been through a lot in my life, as you know, cause we're good friends mm -hmm. and there have been so many circumstances where I feel like I, I have my hand on that brass ring and I, I, I'm, I'm go through the door and I'm so disappointed by what I find, you yeah. know, I'm the people will bum me out or the, the situation isn't what I thought it would be. And this is one of those situations where it's better. These, this, the team that works on this show genuinely cares about the stories that they're producing. And that is so helpful for me <laughs> because I'm a bad liar and <laughs> I, I really am. I'm not a good liar. And so if somebody asked me, you know, Hey, I mean, is this going to be told respectfully? You know, sometimes when you do this stuff, you can't tell them that that's what's going to, you can't in good conscience say, oh yeah, don't worry about it. But in this case, yeah. the team really cares. Um, I love speaking with the families. I love getting involved and in hearing the stories about the investigations. The paranormal stories are really, really incredible. And I found a very interesting skill set in, in producing and researching those stories that uh, I didn't really realize I had. So that's also a really cool feeling. I love that. I love that yeah. about you. And I'm so excited for you. I know the podcast is continuing on. It's powering yeah, through. Yeah, we got, we got another season coming up. So. Uns Unsolved Mysteries, Our Childhood, now becoming a, a popular uh, Netflix show and becoming a popular podcast. Yeah. And you getting to be involved in that podcast is so cool. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so stoked. Like You got so much going on in the future. Yeah. Uh, so, so where should we send people? The people that are listening now, tell what what should we plug? Well, definitely check out the Unsolved Mysteries podcast if you haven't yet. I think one of the things that people really enjoy about it is the narrator Steve French does an incredible job. He really it's it's just he makes it his own, but I feel like the podcast is very faithful to the original format of the Unsolved Mysteries show. And I think that's something that people really dig about it. So please check the podcast out. Um, and then obviously I'm also working with Adam still on pretty scary on the Unpops network. So mm -hmm. please check out that show. I am sometimes completely unhinged there. So that's always good. To <laughs> yeah, see. You have a very fun personality on that show. <laughs> so come see me that way over there. And then if you want to meet me uh, on the interwebs, come talk to me on Twitter at Bossy Matilda. I'd love to chat and get to know you, but don't be a dick because I'm pretty good at boundaries. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I love that. I love you should do all of those things. Support Caitlin because she is the best. She's one of my absolute coolest friends and, and one of my longest standing friends here. And I'm, such yeah. a I'm so lucky to have you in there. Um, for me, of course, you can check out uh, patreon.com slash Jeff May and you can listen to the song unedited with the bonus content at the end. Uh, still biweekly. We also have advertising coming. I have Ugh fine with Kim crawl where we do a monthly podcast where we just talk about the shit we did. It's a lot of fun. 
the uh, the Patreon is growing, and you can be a part of that, so I appreciate that. You can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon. You can also check out You Don't Even Like Sports and Unpopular Opinion, both on the Unpops Network. If you want to see me live the second Friday of every month, I am at Mint on Card at Blast from the Past on Magnolia and Burbank, and then I'll be doing more stuff in the future. Um, you can follow me at Hey There Jeffro. Uh, that being said, uh, bye. And if you're bye. patrons, stick around because we got a little bit more. There's more. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.